The MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up a $500 in bonus cash. We're brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is DFS simplified. Head over to prizepix.com. Use promo code SGP for a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And we're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's better fantasy, better with an O, fantasy.com slash SGPN. Welcome, everybody, to the MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. My name is Malcolm Bamford, here to wrap up the 2021 MLB season. Um, and here to help me uh, was my partner in picks all year long. Uh, we made it to the end, Mr. Moonaf Manji. Moonaf, how are you? Doing well. Uh, this is well overdue. I know we're about, what, two weeks removed from World Series being over around that yep. time. But um, yeah, I know we were planning to do this uh world series wrap-up and season wrap-up show pretty much but um a little busy with the nba and then you had breeders cup going on and we had we we're uh in the cricket uh, channel also talking about cricket stuff so it's been a uh, it's been eventful i guess uh two weeks since we uh, last uh, recorded and since the world series ended yeah it certainly has been moon um we've just literally about half an hour ago finished watching uh, Pakistan versus Australia in the cricket, and uh, Pakistan were well on top at one point, Moon yeah. in the uh, in the semi final there, and eventually got turned over by Australia. A little bit disappointing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, we were talking offline how it's so volatile, right? Especially when it's only yes, twenty overs. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm I'm pretty sure only like one percent of our listening audience knows what we're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, but, that is also. Um, yeah, it's 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 uh, they look like they were in the driver's seat, but then it's always like you know sometimes one or two over slash innings where things can turn for you real quick and in cricket, especially again in twenty overs. So uh, unfortunately, Pakistan came out on the wrong end of it. But I, I'm looking forward to the final. I think it's going to be a fun Australia versus New, Le- uh, New Zealand final. But you know we're talking that if you've been betting cricket, if you've been in that cricket uh, in, a, in the Slack channel, we've automatically just been betting whoever's been batting second. Yeah, and it's probably like cashing, but like maybe like 80-90% at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah, for, for people who don't really understand it, the, the games have been starting around about sort of late afternoon. And then as the sun goes down, um it, they've been in the Emirates, they've been in Dubai, mm-hmm. um, Abu Dhabi, Sharjah, places like that. Um, as the sun goes down, then the grass and the ball gets really wet and slippy. So the team bowling second really struggle to control the ball, control where they're bowling or pitching the ball. Yeah. Um, so Australia had won four out of five games in their um, group in their group matches mm-hmm. through D 
this process of batting second and then today batted second and won again. So yeah. um, it would have been a, a, a fun a fun trend to uh, to follow if you'd been doing that the whole tournament and certainly in the in the uh, cricket Slack channel. Um, it hadn't it hadn't gone uh, beyond the radar of all the sharps that are, that are usually in there. So another SGPN trend. I know uh, Ryan was on his seventy first half unders this week. He likes his uh, he likes his first half unders trend. So yeah, uh, we've been following the trends as well. Um, I wasn't going to mention it, Moonaf, but you mentioned the Breeders' Cup. So let's tout up the yeah. absolute parade of winners. You, I mean, honestly, I can't do any, everything for you. So. <laughs> we've, the Breeders' Cup started on Friday. Um, we were having a, maybe a little bit of chit-chat. There was a little bit of noise on Saturday on Twitter. And you messaged me and said, what have I missed? Where can I find your picks? So I'd written an article, which had gone on the SGPN website, Moonaf. It'd been tweeted and retweeted by the site, by Sean, by Ryan, by various other people. We'd then done a podcast, a solid hour, a bonus podcast committed entirely which is, it's on the app, it's on the website, it's on Google, you name it, it's everywhere. And then you messaged me asking where all the winners can be found. Um, <laughs> on the Friday, I gave out two picks, one at plus 100 and plus 700. Um, on the Saturday, I think I gave out seven. Um, we had winners, uh, I gave an exacter where plus 350 beat a plus 1100. Um, there was a plus... 325 something one and there was a plus 900 one later on um and you messaged me asking what have you missed i mean talk about hashtag respect baseball moon off where's the uh respect for my racing picks you know to be honest i uh it, i will say this i did i i was uh out running errands i think it was the thursday uh before the breeder sky i think before the friday races and i actually did listen to the pod with when you were on with sean and ryan uh, and after that it completely slipped my mind because i had to do like nfl podcasts and then uh a couple and then nba so it like completely uh, slipped my mind then i saw like i guess it was in the general uh slack channel not the horses one that uh i think sean had mentioned that he had a big ticket i think a plus 350 or something around that and then that's what i messaged you that was that was the exact i think the plus 350 to beat the plus 1100 So then I, I, that's when I, okay, I messaged you. I was like, well, let me see if I can get the inside scoop from Malcolm. And he's like, you know, go check out my article. So that's exactly what I did. And then I just went in and, and uh, put in all the picks that you had. And then I checked on Saturday night, Sunday morning, and my account balance was a little bit higher. So thank you so much for that, Malcolm. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll let you off then, Muna. Um, I, was, I was driving home from work around about midnight on Saturday. Uh-huh. And I got a message off my friend saying, mate, I need to talk. I was like, oh, fucking hell, you don't need that. <laughs> so uh, and, um, it sounded serious. And his, his dad recently died about maybe okay. six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what, when I phoned him, I thought I was half expecting him to be hanging off a bridge somewhere and I was going to have to go and talk him <laughs> back or something. Yeah. Um, so I phoned him immediately because I'm a very good friend, Moonath. Yeah. Um, he was drunk as a skunk and just said, mate, I've got... Del Mar on the telly, can you send me some winners? And that was the mate. And that's not a mate I need to talk message, is it? That's, yeah. I mean, he's you get about three of them in your life and he's wasted one asking me for winners <laughs> at Del Mar when I was expecting something life-changing to be going on. And I was riding to the rescue, but no, uh, I'm watching Del Mar. Can you send me some winners? So I said that was before the second last race where I had the eight to one winner. Yeah. Uh, so even my drunk friends, he didn't even know he'd won till the next morning. He oh, wakes Jesus. up to a hundred odd pounds in his account as well. So, um, yeah, finding other things to fill our time, Moonaf, because 
Yeah, two weeks ago, I said to Sean and Ryan on the on the horse racing podcast that I woke up after that final um, World Series game yeah. and I watched the highlights and it was all done. And then the next day, I woke up to watch the highlights like I had done every day since April the 1st. Yeah. And there was nothing to watch. I was just on autopilot. I woke up, picked my coffee up, got my phone in my hand, ready to get the scores and check all my fantasy teams and my draft kings and... There was just no baseball. I was bereft. I felt like there was a loss in the family. Um, you go from you go from handicapping a thousand games a week um, to silence, tumbleweed blowing down the street. So um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a big miss. The baseball. Did you just sit there like twiddling your thumbs at that point after that? Oh, where baseball season's over. I don't have anything to do now. Yeah, you have to like, talk to the family and things like that. It's all. Oh yeah, all I mean, yeah, this unpleasant. is a time where you need a. You need to catch up with the family and you need to, you know, take the trips and do the holiday thing, because I think we'll have a pretty quick turnaround. You know, I feel like it, it's going to be long, but it's really not going to be long once we have to start previewing the divisions and everything for next year. But, um, yeah, I think that um, it was a fun season. and We're going to get into everything here in a little uh, in a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, we'll start at the we'll start at the top because we haven't wrapped up uh, the end of the of the World Series, the last thing we did was preview Game Six. Um, mm-hmm. We actually picks wise before we get into the actual baseball of it. Um, I certainly, I, I felt like I went okay. I, Braves, Braves in six was my pick at plus five fifty, um, maybe plus six fifty actually before the before the um, series began. And then in that last game, I had the Braves at plus plus one twenty. I had the unders. And I put out Braves and the under at plus 325. Um, so picked everything up in that game six. So I was quite pleased with that. Um, I think you were disappointed with a slight Houston slant um, on your picks, Moonaf. But what I'll ask you then is, um, how did the Braves win it all? I mean, the pre-se- pre- pre-season, they were plus 138 to win the NL East. Mm. Uh, and they were 10 to 1 to win the World Series. Now, I imagine at some point in May or June, they would have been maybe 50 to 1 or even bigger to win the World Series yeah. um, because they were they were way down the list. So uh, just how did that all pan out that Atlanta got there uh, and took it home? Yeah, I think we, you know, you or I think that when we were talking about the Atlanta Braves early on in the season, you know, they were missing their best uh, pitcher, Mike Soroka. And, you know, he was supposed to be coming back, I think, May or June or sometime during the summertime. And he had a setback and wasn't able to return for the Braves. So they're starting pitching as your number one starter and your ace right there took a toll on them. And then I think midway through, I think it was May or June, then Ronald Acuna Jr. went down with a torn ACL. And I think at that point, everybody was saying, hey, now the Braves don't have a chance to make any noise let alone even win the division at that point because you're missing your best pitcher and you're missing your best offensive player on your team. But I think first we have to give a lot of credit to the front office of the Atlanta Braves for what they were able to bring in at that trade deadline, right? Uh, Jorge Soler, um, Eddie Rosario, I believe it was either, yeah, Adam Duvall they brought in also. 
Yeah, Rosario, Rosario, uh, Jock Pedersen, and uh, yeah. Adam Duval and Jorge Soler. They, they just rejigged their entire outfield. Yeah, and so I think that was pretty much what kind of started carrying them into the uh, into the division race there. And, Michael, we talked about this all season, is that nobody really wanted to win that NL East division. It literally came down to that second to last week when I think the Braves were playing the Phillies, and the Braves just had to win two out of three games to win that division and get into the playoffs. Uh, so... You know, give a lot of credit to that front office. I think that's what the first and foremost thing for the Atlanta Braves was that, you know, they were they didn't they didn't give up. You know, it's easy to give up when your best player goes down. You don't have your best pitcher either. But the Braves, you know, they made the right moves and, you know, they won games and then they won the NL East and got into the uh, playoffs. Yeah, they, at the trade deadline, they were 51 and 54. So three yeah. games under 500. Uh, now, we know that division... Um, was a little bit kooky. The the Mets were sort of minus 300 mm-hmm. all the way through without ever looking like um, looking like red-hot favourites. Um, at various points, you quite fancied the Phillies. Yeah. And although they, they always just took the 500 team, um, even though I suppose that could, e- that could even have been enough at, at one point. Um, so the division was, the division was a bit peculiar, but from that trade deadline, fifty-one and fifty-four, um, they went thirty-seven and nineteen down the stretch, um, which is a fantastic record. Um, so that eventually took them to that win total of eighty-eight. And then in the playoffs, you just—I mean, it's a short sample size. Um, they went eleven and five in the playoffs. They never faced an elimination game. Um, they beat the Brewers. They beat the Dodgers, who were probably the best team in baseball. Yeah, uh, and then they beat the Astros. They, that, that World Series was a bit of an odd one because both teams really were down to three starting pitchers by then. Mm. Um, but they, they, they did it fairly comfortably um, throughout, the entire, throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we can't say that this was a fluky win by the Atlanta Braves because it really wasn't. They faced the uh, Milwaukee Brewers in that first, uh, for, for the first round, the divisional round, where we can argue that the Milwaukee Bray, uh, Milwaukee uh, Brewers had the best, best pitching rotation in the National League, right? With Corbin Burns, Willie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff. And then, like you just said, they went up against the Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta Dodgers. The LA Dodgers, I'm already in uh, offseason form here. <laughs> the LA Dodgers with, you know, uh, and I touted how great that one to four was, but then also the Dodgers were battling injuries. But, you know, we're not going to make excuses for the Dodgers, especially the Dodgers. They went out and flat out beat them. And then now you're going up against the Astros, probably the best offensive team in the American League, and they absolutely just shut them down. And for the Atlanta Braves uh, team, to shut down the bats of not only the Dodgers, but they also did it to the Astros, Malcolm, man. Yeah. You got to give a lot of credit to their manager. You got to give a lot of credit to their, their bullpen, especially the way that the manager handled the bullpen and the, even the starters, because remember in game one or game two, Charlie Morton went down with that, with that injury. And at that point we were saying, okay, this might be a big trouble spot for the uh, Atlanta Braves here, not having their best starting pitcher, but they found a way to win games. Their starters, I think, you know, Max Fried, especially in the closeout game in game six, was absolutely phenomenal. The bullpen was absolutely phenomenal. The bats were phenomenal, and they went out and took care of business. For them to limit the Houston Astros offense to 11 runs in the four games, but nine of yep. those 11 runs for the Astros came in game five. Other than that, in the final four games of that series, they gave, they pitched a shutout. 
So we got to give a lot of kudos for Atlanta Braves. Again, congratulations, Atlanta Braves, on a phenomenal World Series run, um, not hanging your hats. And, you know, this team is going to be better going into next year with, you know, getting Mike Soroka back and also Ronald Cunha Jr. I think as far as our picks were concerned, Moonaf, we seem to peak uh, just at the right time in the playoffs. I know on tally site, um, you topped the table for all the analysts um, on your playoff picks. Is this correct? Yeah, I finished, I think, number yeah, I finished number one out of, I think, 24 um, that were picking uh, the MLB playoffs game. So I think that's, you know, something to uh, be proud of, you know, after especially I've picked the Astros uh, to win the World Series. But, yeah, you know, we usually talk about it when we started the playoffs is that, you know, we were going to hopefully have a profitable MLB run, you know, for me to finish number one on tally side. And then, you know, you gave out so many great picks with the stolen braces props and the home run props and, and you know, picking the Braves as dogs almost every single game, especially against the uh, Astros and the Dodgers. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think you you absolutely nailed it there. So I think collectively, I think we did a fantastic job of, you know, hopefully coming, uh, you know, coming up uh, profitable for the MLB playoffs. Yeah, I think we did. We got hot at the right time. The Braves were good to me. Um, we had some, we had some DJ moves. We had, a, like you said, a Wanda Franco home run prop. There was a, a Travis Dardo home run prop. The stolen yeah. bases on the Dodgers uh, was something that was great. Mm-hmm. We picked up some sort of eight to one, six to one, things like that. So, yeah, I think we uh, we got hot at the right time. Um, and um, I think we're going to, we'll track it a little bit better, Moonaf. One of our, uh, one of our pledges um, is to track things a little bit better yeah. um, next season, just so we can put some numbers uh, to our wild claims that we got hot at the right time. Um, if you do, uh, get some early, early tickets on next season's MLB. Uh, the place to buy and sell them is PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Um, where I think we'd go next then, Munaf, is yeah. we have a look division by division, um, who won, how they won, why they won, and some of the preseason um, podcast picks. Actually, just going back to uh, to the World Series, uh, our preseason picks, my preseason picks with the Yankees and the Mets, um, and I know Ryan put out the Dodgers um, just as a bit of hometown favoritism. So really, uh, no success uh, in terms of futures there. Um, did you have a, a, a long-range World Series pick, Muna? Honestly, I, I should have wrote this down, but I'm pretty sure I didn't pick the uh, Atlanta Braves to come out. No, of, I didn't think anybody. We were, we were nowhere near. Um, uh, so as much as we're touting our winners, uh, we had nothing. Uh, the Braves did not crop up in any of our discussions there. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with the Braves division, um, that NL East. Um, the Braves won it um, at plus 138. So we've just discussed them and how they did it. Um, I suppose the biggest disappointment... Uh, certainly for me, because I was on them um, and I kept out in them pretty much up until God, probably about August time uh, by the time I eventually fell on my own sword there. Um, the Mets were plus 163 to win this division and flattered to deceive at times. And even though they never really got many games over over 500, um, they still remain favourites. Finished the season on 77 and 85. Um, suffered injuries, but which team didn't? Um, yeah, and New York Mets have got a lot of work to do, Moonaf, I would suggest. Yeah, I think, uh, Malcolm, the thing with the Mets was that they lost Jacob deGrom, right? I think that's significant when he's the, I think, personally the best pitcher in the National League and possibly the entire MLB 
when you don't have a player like that for you know what was it about two months that's going to really take a toll on you and i think the biggest thing for the mets was we had talked about this all throughout the season was that their pitching was really carrying them throughout the season um early on in the month it was just we're kind of waiting for their offense to come around and this team i think was probably the one of the teams that dealt with the most injuries both sides of the baseball right their batting lineup they had guys in and out um and then they also had you know pitchers being in and out of the lineup or sorry the rotation uh you know Noah Syndergaard was you know he came back later Marcus uh uh Marcus Stroman was I think their best consistent pitcher but it just wasn't translating for runs for them and then again you know um hopefully they can get that corrected this offseason because this team has a lot of potential um with the names that they have on both sides of the baseball, their batting lineup and their pitching rotation. So, you know, we'll have to dig a little more in the offseason about the Mets. And, you know, I believe they did. They are going to get a new manager here. Um, so, you know, definitely keep an eye out for that for sure. Yeah, it was just a really strange season by the Mets. It was uh, pretty stereotypical. We've said that the Phillies were what we thought they were going to be. Yeah, uh, Washington's the same. And Miami actually were quite good fun. Um from a betting point of view, um, they were always, um, what's the word? Competitive is the word. Yeah. Um, you never felt like uh, you were you were out, especially they've got a lot of young pitching. Uh, they were quite good at home as well, I think. So we'll be looking at Miami. Um, the one bet we gave out um, on this division was the over-unders uh, on the Braves. Um, we gave out under 91 and a half, which finished at 81. So that was a winner. Um, so that one worked out. Um, NL Central Moonaf, um, the Brewers um, take the win with 95 and 67 record. That This was the one division we gave out. We only gave out one division winner on that preseason pick um, mm. podcast. Yeah. And it was the Brewers at plus 260. So a nice little, nice little win there. Um, it was never really in doubt. Um, the Cardinals had a mad second half, um, including that 17-game winning streak, uh, which led them to the wild card. Um, but the Brewers, and you've already mentioned once this pitch and rotation, uh, the Brewers were good. Yeah. That, that I mean, that's pretty much what it was, right, Malcolm? Their, their pitching rotation, I think, you know, it was the best in the National League with their top three guys with Peralta, Woodruff, and... Um, Corbin Burns. I mean, I think Corbin Burns got off to that red hot start with the strikeouts. Um, And I think, you know, this is another team like the Mets offensively that it just wasn't there for them. But because they are in the NL Central, well, I think the other teams aren't as competitive um, as they were at least last season between the Cardinals, the Cubs, and and the Reds. And we knew the Pirates were not going to be good. So it was really going to be a race between the Brewers and the Cardinals. And I think that for us to, you know, identify that this, this pitching rotation for the Brewers, was going to be really good. Um, I, you know that that plus two sixty seemed like a slam dunk when we talked about it early in the in the preseason show. Yeah, um, say St. Louis had a good run second half. Um, yeah. That seventeen game winning streak was the longest uh, in the National League since nineteen thirty five. Uh, eventually, the Cards went down with the Dodgers, uh, which was relatively uh, predictable there. Mm-hmm. And we gave out three overs unders here. Uh, with mixed results. We gave out the cards under 86 and a half, um, which was looking great until the 17-game winning streak. They got a 90 yeah. in the end. So that one went down. Uh, we gave out the Reds um, under 81 and a half, and somehow the Reds got to 83. I'm not entirely sure how that happened, so that lost. Um, and we gave out Pittsburgh uh, over 57 and a half, um, and that one won. 
Pittsburgh got to 61. Uh, so, yeah, we um, we went one and two there on the overs, unders. Um, next up then, this was the craziest division of all um, because it included a 40-to-1 winner, Munaf. Um, yeah. The San Francisco Giants win 107 games. Um, their over or under, when we looked pre-season, was 74-and-a-half. Um, so they've <laughs> gone a clear 32-and-a-half games over the projection. Um, to win the division at 40 to 1. How does that happen, Luna? Now, if I would have told you the Dodgers were going to win 106 games <laughs> and then not win <laughs> and not win the division, or if I would have told you the Dodgers are going to win 106 games this season, how many, how much money would you have put down on them to win the NL West division at that point? I mean, what, and you're giving me what you're giving me even money as well. I mean, yeah, yeah I'll give you even a, money. Yeah, life changing. You'd have put everything you owned, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and here come the Giants to out of nowhere uh at, at 40 to one and, and win the division and i think i think all across you know when people were doing their mlb preview shows I and mean, i'm not just talking about sgpd i'm talking about you know mlb network the four-letter network guys that cover baseball their podcast the discussion was for this division was it was going to be between the dodgers and the padres that the, the, the yeah. padres were the big sexy pick coming into this this season because of all the offseason moves that they made by getting Blake Snell and you Darvish and you know you're having Manny Machado in this lineup with Fran uh with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and some of the other guys Eric Hosmer that they added and it was we, it was going to be a two horse race at that point you know one horse yeah it did come into fruition but here come the Giants out of nowhere at 40 to 1 horse and and come out and win 107 games i think that's just absolutely incredible um and Michael, we talked about all throughout the season the Giants were like they weren't even leading in the statistical categories, like offensively and like even their pitching wise, they were kind of middle of the road. I mean, their pitching was pretty good, but it was, it wasn't anything like the, like the Brewers or it wasn't anything like, you know, the Rays or, or another team that had, you know, like the White Sox, it wasn't like that, but they just found ways to win games. And, you know, for them to be, you know, I, I hope there's people out there that had that 40 to one ticket on the giants to win the NOS. Um, and it was neck and neck, like thinking that final two months, but the Giants found a way to uh, win with the NL West, though. And now this was, well, I think by far in a very long time, one of the most intriguing uh, uh, division races to watch all throughout the season. Yeah, what I've taken most from this is that um, a, a long shot can win, that a 41 shot yeah. can win something because um, it's a long season. And because of that, the the cream will more than likely rise to the top. That's why it is a long season um, because it takes it takes a, a large sample size um, to get the better teams uh, to come through. Uh, but the fact that a 40 to one shot can uh, can come up and win um, means next season I'll be sniffing around those big prices uh, and looking looking for something similar. Um, you, you touched on it, Moonaf, but the biggest disappointment in this division by a country mile was the San Diego Padres. Um, yeah. 79 and 83. Um, their projection, we had them at 94 and a half. So wow. uh, 15 games underneath. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think for the, the, for the Padres, it was really probably, be, I would say maybe their, their pitching was not as good as, uh, as advertised at the beginning of the season. I think the one good uh, pitcher in this rotation was uh, Joe Musgrove, who finished with a 3.18 ERA, 
Yeah. Other than that, you know, you Darvish 4.22, Blake Snell 4.2, Chris Paddock, a guy that we absolutely faded every chance we got. He finished with the ERA above five. So um, definitely need to make improvements on that pitching side for the Padres. As far as their batting, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. was in and out of this lineup. Um, you know, Manny Machado had a pretty good season. You can say finished with a 278 batting average, 28 home runs, 106 RBIs. Um but for them, I think they still probably need to get another couple of bats in this lineup, as crazy as that may sound uh, for the Padres when you have those two guys. But, yeah, definitely need to make significant improvements if they're going to compete in this uh, NL West division because the Dodgers are going to be the Dodgers every single year. And now the Giants, you know, they now they had kind of have that swag to themselves that, hey, you know, we went out with this type of team and went out and won the NL, NL West division, beating the Dodgers and the Padres. So, um, yeah, if the Padres are going to be good, they're going to have to make some changes. Um, the one pick we made on this division, the over-under, was the Dodgers. We went under 102 and a half. Uh, as you've mentioned, they got to 106. So that one yeah. uh, went down the pan as well. Um, new sponsor here on the MLB Gambling Podcast, Prize Picks, DFS Simplified. Head over to prizepicks.com. Whoa, what's going on here? Hang on. Sorry. Watch. Blooper, we, blooper. Yeah, this tells you we don't we don't edit we don't edit we we do this we do this live. I tell you what though, that was very on brand. You know what that was going off in the background, Munaf. What? That was a greyhound race. <laughs> there you go. I've just um I've got I've got one of my uh one of my books open um just because we've been following the cricket and uh, trying to catch up on some baseball. There's there's some uh, football type World Cup qualifiers. Uh, and it's just sprung up with the uh, the six forty three from Hove uh, on the uh, on the dog racing. So that was uh, that's what that was. Apologies for that. And <laughs> um, what was that? I just totally ruined Prize Picks. Sorry, Prize Picks. Um, it's DFS <laughs> Simplified. Head over to PrizePicks.com. Use promo code SGP for a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Okay, we will jump. Across into the American League, uh, the AL East, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, Moonaf, 162 was their record. Um, mm-hmm. Win that division, probably the most competitive um, division by eight games. Wow. Um, at plus 350. Um, I've already made a made a uh, apology statement to anyone involved in Tampa that I will not uh, underrate them anymore. Um, it's the first hundred season win in the in the franchise's history, um, but plus three fifty, a comfortable eight game win. Uh, Tampa were absolutely brilliant, Muna. No, Malcolm. I think that every single year we just need to kind of b- blindly like bet on the Rays to either win the division or make the playoffs because they're going to be overshadowed by the Red Sox and Yankees every single year because the Red Sox and the Yankees are the public team that people want to bet on. And you're going to get a good price on the on the Tampa Bay Rays, and I think they're really set up well with in the future uh, with Wander Franco, with Randy or Rosarena, and they just find, again like the Giants. I think that the Tampa Bay Rays are that team in the American League that they just find ways to win games. Uh, they've now won the division two years in a row, and yeah, like you said, this is a very very competitive division, and we've talked about this all season long. That this division had four teams that finished with ninety or more wins, and for the Tampa Bay Rays to win this division. By eight games, like you mentioned, that's absolutely incredible. And, and if you look at the run differential, plus 206, 
The second uh, next team was um, the oh, sorry. The best team was the Giants and then the Astros. But what they were able to do in this American League East division is absolutely incredible. So we got to really tip our hats, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, next season we, we cannot, you know, sit here and be like, hey, the Rays aren't going to be the Rays again. They, they, they're they they're in this division race every single year. They're, they're always winning games. So uh, I'm going to have to write that down to make sure not to fade the Rays next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a great division. Um, your Boston Red Sox, moving off 92 and 70, a yeah. really hot start. Look good at halfway. Um, then had a bit of a bump. And then they actually finished quite well uh, to take them into that wild card game. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Yankees, the Yankees finished 92 and 70 as well. They had a bit of a roller course of a season. I mean, they were unwatchable. Uh, we talked, I think we did a special podcast in maybe early May about just how bad they were. And it was little yeah. things like the, the fielding, um, just real red flags like uh, New York Yankees were, were horrible. Um, and then, yeah, the Red Sox beat the Yankees in the wild card. They got past Tampa 3 1 before eventually going down to the Astros. But um, you must have taken a lot from that Red Sox season, Moonaf. You must have enjoyed it. Yeah, 100%. I think that even the odds maker were not expecting the Red Sox to be in the playoffs uh, this year, let alone get all the way to the championship series in the American League. But, you know, like you said, they got off to the red hot start. But I think as the trade deadline approached, um, post trade deadline, you know, this team kind of faltered a little bit. But, you know, they picked up some steam in the final two weeks of the season to secure that wild card spot. And, I think, you know, we talked about getting Chris Sell back was big for them during the regular season. Um, you know, uh, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogards, J.D. Martinez, uh, uh, all these guys were great all throughout the season. Uh, Alex Verdugo, a guy that I really haven't really talked about for this Red Sox team, was absolutely incredible for them too. So, um, you know, I, I think that J.D. Martinez saw news that he was he is going to be back with the Red Sox next year. I think he picked up his option. Um, but again, I like, I like a team, uh, like the Padres. I think the Red Sox have a lot of work to do, uh, especially on the pitching rotation. You know, you'll, you'll have Chris Sale back. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is up, um, for qualifying offer and, uh, a long-term contract hopefully, but, um, yeah, they need to get some pitching and bullpen help in there for sure. If they're going to be competitive, uh, in the American league. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, one team I wanted to talk about with that division was Toronto. Yeah. Uh, 91 and 71, um, <laughs> rather lucky to finish fourth place uh, in that division with that record. Um, I think they, bear in mind, they only, they only made it back home to Toronto halfway through the season. They played yeah. in uh, three different home ballparks. Mm-hmm. Um, but this team are real improvers, Munaf. Um, young batting lineup, all those names, all that name recognition, uh, Biggio and Guerrero and Bichette. Yeah. Um, we had fun all season. Uh, watching Robbie Ray um, get those rack up those strikeouts in his tight pants, um, and Toronto are really going to be going to be a team to watch next season if they can sort out a little bit more pitching. Yeah, again, Marcus Simmons is also up for a contract, so we're not sure if he's going to be yeah. back. Um, but well, when we spoke to Johnny Junder recently, yeah. he didn't think Simeon would be back. Yeah, but they still have great bats in this lineup, Malcolm. I mean, George Springer was injured for most of the season here, and if you're going to get a healthy season out of him at, at the top of your rotation, I'm sorry, your uh, your lineup, that's a great bat to have there. But you still have Lourdes Gurriel. You have Randall Gritchick. You have uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Vlad, Bo Bichette. So, you know, I mean, even though Marcus Simeon was – probably in any other year would have probably been an MVP for sure. But just because he has another guy on his roster and Vlad that had more home runs and more RBIs, 
it's kind of getting overshadowed because Simeon ended up with 45 home runs and 102 RBIs for this team. They had four different guys that ended up with 100 or more RBIs on this team, which is absolutely incredible. But like you mentioned, on the pitching side is where they really need to, um, you know, tighten it up because Eugene Ryu is probably not the answer for them, the ace that they thought that they were getting from the Dodgers when they signed him. Um, but Robbie Ray was a very, very pleasant surprise. I'm glad you crashed, cashed that strikeout Kings uh, ticket with him. Uh, the one guy we really fancied Malcolm as this season progressed was Alec Manoa. And I think that's a guy that we're going to have to keep yep. an eye on for sure. Maybe for some Cy Young odds next year. But uh, they also picked up Jose Barrios at the uh, trade deadline. I don't know if they're, I, think, I believe he's a free agent possibly. So if they're able to re-sign him and, you know, you have Alec Manoa and Robbie Ray, I think that's pretty formidable. And then you probably need to get a fourth or fifth guy in that rotation. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the the player props as we as we move further down the podcast. Um, the one over under we took in this division was Boston. Um, a clear winner over eighty and a half was the line, uh, one ninety two. Uh, so we cashed that one. That was good. Yeah. Um, AL Central, Chicago White Sox, very comfortable winners, ninety three and sixty nine. Um, took the division as favourites at minus one twenty preseason. Uh, won it by 12 games um, to back to the Cleveland Indians, the only team in this division with a winning record for Chicago. Um, but I think credit also to Chicago. Okay, they didn't face much competition, but equally, um, they they had some injuries with the, a big problem uh, pre-season when they lost uh, Eloy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was problems throughout the season. Your man, Rodon, went down at various times. Yeah. Um, but I think Chicago are going to be a team to, team to reckon with next year. 100%. I think this is a roster that on both sides of the baseball, their batting lineup and their pitching rotation is absolutely fantastic. You know, like you mentioned, Malcolm, you have the nail on the head is that the health was the biggest thing for this team, especially spring training when they lost uh, Eloy Jimenez. And then they had, I believe, who else did they lose? Uh, Lewis Roberts was also gone, wasn't he? Uh, for this team. So those are two yeah, you know, power bats that you have in this lineup. This team is really set up, and I really like this lineup because they have a great balance of guys that can hit for average with Tim Anderson at the top of your lineup. You also have uh, uh, Moncada, and then your your power bats with Jose Abreu, Eloy, Lewis Roberts. Uh, Lewis Roberts, I think, are both a guy that can hit for average and power. So I really like what they have set up for the future. And they're, they're pitching rotation, right? We talked about uh, Giolito. We talked about Carlos Rodon. Lance Lynn had an absolutely fantastic season. But unfortunately for them in the playoffs, you know, they, they were dealing with some injuries in, in that rotation. But um, and, and just flat out, the Astros were the better team in, just in that series. But, yeah, next season, we're going to definitely be looking at this roster and this rotation even a little more for the White Sox because I think they're set up – Pretty good again to make uh, to not only win that uh, NL or that AL Central Division, but possibly make some noise in the playoffs. The team that absolutely fell in a hole from the AL Central this year was the Minnesota Twins. Uh, yeah, the plus one forty uh, to win the division, so um, closely fancied behind the White Sox. Um, finished last in the division with a record of seventy three uh, in eighty nine. So I'm not entirely. Sure, what's happened in Minnesota there? Um, there was two teams, though, a bit um, projected to do a little bit worse that we both enjoyed this season, uh, one of which particularly was the Detroit Tigers yeah. um, and the Kansas City Royals. Both of these teams overachieved. Um, Detroit were projected 68 wins. 
and finished on 77. Uh, Kansas won 74 games, uh, having been projected 71. Um, they were live dogs a lot of the time this season. Um, behind some good young pitching, we managed in our preseason podcast. We uh, Tarek Scoobel and mm. Casey Myers got mentioned, yeah. uh, and we went to the well on them um, quite a few times, Munaf. We did, and I think that, you know, I'm glad that uh, I believe you're the one that caught these two pitchers early on, um, and we were able to get some, you know, two-to-one prices on these guys, and we saw slowly, slowly as the season progressed that the tide was starting to turn on their on their, on their their money line price, and I, I think as soon as the season was starting to end, there, was, there were points where they were turning into a minus uh, favorite price when they were pitching at home. So, you know, those are things that I think, that we have to keep an eye on, you know, from year to year in playoffs or sorry, during the season is finding these type of guys, right? Finding your Casey Mises and finding your Tarek Scoobles that are pretty good pitchers. And they're also going to uh, be at plus prices before the market adjusts. So I think, you know, kudos to you for finding that. Um, and these guys, again, are going to be the one and number two guys for the Detroit Tigers going to next season. So Tigers fans should definitely be excited for these two pitchers uh, in your pitching rotation. The over-unders in this division, we went one and one. Uh, White Sox under, um, 91 and a half. They got a 93, so uh, a photo finish loss there. And the Royals, we took the Royals on the over. Um, They won 74 uh, rather than the 71 and a half. They were projected, so a little two and a half win there. So one and one in the division. Uh, And now we move on to the AL West, Munaf. Your hometown, Houston Astros, uh, won the division with a record of 95 and 67 at plus 138 they were preseason um a nine game win over Auckland mm-hmm. um the thing with this was that they they stayed around this price for much of the first half of the season yeah um we regularly touted them yeah. um it was a match all the way through according to the books um Houston and Auckland it didn't actually turn out that way um but yeah we we touted the, these well into well into the summer uh, that yeah. you could still get plus odds uh, on Houston. Um, in the postseason, we know what happened. They, they went all the way through, eventually um, lost to the Braves in the World Series. They were around about 8-1 to one to win the conference, so if you had any tickets on that, again, that's not something we, we touted up much. But um, good season for Houston, but couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, this is going to be... Um, or I was going back to the season, I think, AL West. Um, yeah, really underwhelming performance by the Oakland A's, right? I think that people were really talking about that. This was a year that they were going to beat the Astros in the, in the, in that division to take the division crowd, but Seattle Mariners, 90 wins, uh, Malcolm. I think this is a team going into next season. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. Could probably make some noise in the uh, AOS division here, but for the Astros, um, you know, going into the season was the, the pitching was going to be the concern because they weren't going to have Justin Verlander. And then, you know, Zach Grinke is at, at the latter part of his career. Um, and then they were battling injuries all throughout the season to their pitchers, whether Framber Valdez was going out or Jose or Katie never really made it into the rotation as far as uh, pitching. Um, but I think the one pleasant surprise for the Astros, at least during the regular season, was Luis Garcia uh, in that uh, pitching rotation where, you know, he he's one of the finalists for the Rookie of the Year, year Awards. Um Again, for this offseason, for the for this division in particular, I think that we're probably going to see the Oakland A's fall uh, in the standings here a little bit. But I think the one team that we're looking at 
making that next step is probably going to be the Seattle Mariners. And I think we caught on to them in the second half of the season, especially at home where they were just winning, you know, winning games at a very, very discounted price at around minus 120, minus 30 range. And um, that's one team that um, we're going to have to keep an eye on for next season for the AL West division, Malcolm. Yeah, Seattle are very similar um, in a way to why we like Toronto. Um, we, they've got a very young lineup. I'm looking at the show notes from the preseason podcast here, um, and it says fun, young, speed. Uh, Dylan Moore, Kyle Lewis, JP Crawford, Jared Kellenick. Yeah. Um, they were projected to win 71 and a half games, doing enough, and they got to 90. Um, so, I mean, short of the San Francisco Giants, uh, this is by far the best performance. Uh, they were 28 to 1 to win the division. Uh, they finished only five games back of Houston, which so quite a remarkable effort. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a young team, and, and you can see uh, their lineup. Um, being very similar for the next two or three years. They've got quite a good farm system, I believe, uh, and some good um, some good particularly bats to come in, I think. And there are real bits and bobs team. They are the archetypal bits and bobs team, Seattle. Uh, they put it together with a lot of uh, a lot of hit and run and a lot of steals and things like that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed Seattle a lot. Um, it's worth mentioning the LA Angels in this division, and not for the season that they had, uh, but for the things that Shohei Otani done, we can't do a season review without mentioning Shohei Munaf. Um, I mean, absolutely incredible what the man did. Yeah, this was uh, one of the bigger storylines during the MLB season, just watching Otani. Absolute monster. I mean, I just don't know how else to describe it. I mean, for, you know, he played 155 of the 162 games a season. 46 home runs, 100 RBIs. He pitched pretty well for the uh, for the Angels also this season. And, you know, it's just, you know, a very humble guy. If you just actually watch the interact- interactions that he has with players and, and the way he kind of conducts himself on the field, I think it's it's it's, it's very classy and what, uh, a great player, a guy that's easy to, easy to root for. But I think kind of looking at the broader scope of this L.A. team, Number one, you need Mike Trout to stay healthy. I mean, yeah. for him to be proclaimed as one of the best players in in baseball, if not the best player, he needs to stay healthy. And when you have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in your lineup every single day, that's going to give other opposing pitchers nightmares. And you have other good hitters on this team, right? Anthony Rendon, who won the MVP World Series when the Nationals won it, he'll be back next season. But Malcolm, we talked about, man, the one thing the Angels need to do is they need to figure out this pitching. And it was atrocious, again, all season long. Their starters, ERA was one of the worst. Their bullpen was one of the worst. They need to go out and spend money on starting quality pitching. They need to go out and get ace guys if they're going to want to compete in this AOS division and possibly win a title because they, they again, we talked about all season. They didn't do anything. They, I mean, this pitching was bad, and this was one of the teams that was really profitable to the over this season. So this is one thing that – this is like number one on my list when I'm watching in the offseason. Are the Angels finally going to do anything to address their uh, their starting rotation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a, a season of all seasons for show here, Tony. Hopefully they'll just let him go um, and they don't, they don't pigeonhole him. That was one of the – the best things about the season was that the Angels, I think, have probably realised um, that he is just a generational talent, and yeah. we don't see this very often. 
uh, and just let him do it. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a chance to save baseball. Uh, so, yeah, just let him go. And before we get on to uh, the player props that we had a look at, um, get across to Better Fantasy. This sounds dangerous to me, Moonaf. Uh, yeah. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGPN. I don't need to be losing the matchups and then losing money on the matchups, uh, but that means somebody's winning, I suppose. Uh, so if you fancy your chances, get to betterfantasy.com uh, and it'll sync. It'll sync with Sleeper, uh, which is by far and away the best app out there. Uh, so if, get involved with that. Um, player props, Moonaf. Um, these things they've, I've written on the show notes, it's like throwing horseshoes at the moon. These are uh, these <laughs> are big priced, uh, big price things, and you've got to be lucky to hit a couple. As it happens, I managed to hit um, a couple of fancy prices. So I'll run down them. I couldn't find any um, any pre-season odds on a couple of these, so we kind of yeah. have to guess. Or you'll know by the name whether or not they were relatively short price. Uh, or the Regine price. Um, the RBI leader was um, Sal Perez at 121. Uh, I can't imagine he was high up any lists. Um, the catcher uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Um, and then, the, so the home run market, and it, it was a tie um, between Sal Perez, uh, aforementioned, again, would have been any price you could have found. And then Vlad, uh, Vlad eventually um, brought home that... Uh, that promise that he's shown or that, that he's been, that, that people have been hoping he was going to display uh, by hitting 48 dingers. Um, Shohei Otani, worth an honourable mention, followed him home with 46. But uh, Vlad, at one end of the market, would have been relatively short. And then Perez came from absolutely nowhere, Munaf, uh, with 48 home runs. Yeah, this was exciting to watch, Salvador Perez. You know, he's another very likable guy uh, in, in baseball. And, um, uh, you said well, he was 120 to one. No, sorry, that he hit 121 RBI. Oh, okay, I'm I don't sorry. know. Actually, I couldn't. I couldn't find any. Yeah, that was very it. difficult to find uh, the preseason odds. I think next season uh, I'll just have to take some screenshots and we'll have it saved. Yeah, but, exactly right. We'll do. Yeah, uh, there's another pledge for you. Yeah, but yeah, I mean Salvador Perez. You know who saw that one coming, right? We would have thought it would have been like Vlad. I mean Vlad tied obviously, but then we would have thought it would have been like. Stanton or Aaron Judge or you know one of those one of those guys, but uh, yeah, congrats to uh, Vlad and uh, Salvador Perez, home run kings in the American League. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, further down the list, um, the batting champ for the average Trey Turner, three twenty eight. Um, <laughs> we've laughed about this before. Trey Turner was the throw in in the Max Scherzer deal, Luna. <laughs> yeah, I mean head scratcher or what? Yeah, uh, this trade, if we're now in hindsight, they traded for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer was a throw-in for that trade. But, yeah, hopefully they're able to hang on to Trey Turner. I think, you know, one of the more young and exciting players uh, in this league, a guy that can hit for power, hit for average, and, you know, a very, very rare rare talent in the the game of baseball flow. Uh, Very likable guy, too. You know, when I was uh, watching the Nationals, when they made their run for the uh, for the title a couple seasons ago, this guy was absolutely incredible for them. So he's going to be uh, definitely a, a a great bat for that lineup in uh, L.A. along with Mookie Betts at the top of that lineup. So definitely going to be excited for that. 
Um, just talking back to the home run market, um, the, the picks I certainly gave out were, were nowhere near. Were um, Eugenio Suarez, 28 to 1, Mookie Betts, 50 to 1, and Mike Mustakas at 81. So we were nowhere near uh, there. Mike Trout went off a 10 to 1 favourite um, yeah. in that. We projected 42 um, was the winner. So that went well over. So I don't know if you maybe. That might be a, something to have a look at next year if you can get an over on the uh, on the total uh, over forty two because that went to forty eight. Yeah. Um, stolen bases uh, and another favourite player, a bit like Trey Turner, actually someone who seems eminently likable, uh, very popular. Uh, forty seven stolen bases for Stalin Marte. Yeah, I think we had uh, picked with Raul Mondesi uh, at the beginning of the season. I mean, he was the chalk favourite. I believe he was uh, battling injuries all throughout the year, so he didn't get much playing time. But Starling Marte, yeah, um, another player that, again, is – I believe he got traded to – somebody traded for him during – was the A's or the – Yes, it was. A's, yeah. So, um, obviously, that you know that, that was a, a trade that they made to replace some outfield injuries they had there. Um, but – yeah, I, I really wish that we had the uh, the preseason odds because it would have just been fun just looking at what these numbers were for some of these guys. But uh, definitely I'll do a better job of that next season. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Starling Marte's uh, stolen base leader. Yeah, Mondesi was uh, the even money favorite. We yeah. did actually fade him. Uh, in that preseason pod, um, just through playing time, it was a it was a one horse race. If he stayed fit, he won, and so you were gambling on him not staying fit. Well, he missed the majority of the season. I think he went down with injury the day after we recorded the pod or something. I remember Ryan yeah. messaging me uh, asking what my pick was, um, and I actually picked uh, Andres Jimenez of the Indians at eighty to one, who spent about eighty percent of the season. Uh, in AAA, so it was nowhere near. But like I say, you, you you're throwing horseshoes at the moon. Mm. Um, one of the horseshoes we threw at the moon that caught Moon off, uh, hitched our wagon to a star with Robbie Ray, a uh, strikeout leader. Uh, yeah. 248. This was a fun sweat. Uh, yeah. This went literally to the last night of the yeah. season. Um, he beat Zach Wheeler by one strikeout. Uh, Zach yeah. Wheeler was slayed at the pitch on that Sunday evening. Uh, and then they just didn't bother. They sent someone else out. Uh, and Robbie Ray got got over the line with a one, uh, a one strikeout win. Uh, Garrett Cole was five strikeouts back. Um, miss it. Garrett Cole missed some time through injury. But like you say, you've got to be a little bit lucky. Robbie Ray missed the first month of the season yeah. through injury. So he was playing catch-up uh, and he only got his nose in front round about mid-September. Um, so 248 for Robbie Ray. I had some 25 to 1 on that. Uh, I have written the word Bosch on the show notes, <laughs> Moonaf. Uh, so that was very much one of my Bosch moments. Um and then saves um, Mark Melanson for the Padres, I believe, with 39. Um, just got there ahead of uh, Hendricks and Kenley Jansen and yeah. on 38 and Will Smith with 37. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a tight race as well. We didn't give out any picks uh, for the saves race. I had Alex Reyes, um, who started uh, statistically... Um, absolutely brilliantly for the Cardinals and then completely and utterly fell in a hole. He was second or third. He got to around about 25 or 26 saves. I think he got to 23 without blowing one. Uh, and I was, and I thought I might be in for another Bosch, uh, but it turns out that I wasn't. Um, but yeah, these pitching props are certainly worth uh, sprinkling, sprinkling a few quid around if you can, if you can find four or five uh, at fancy prices. Um, finally, Moonaf, we're going to have a look at the... Uh, 
at the the individual awards because these are actually getting dished out next week. Yeah. Um, we we did have a little podcast on this in round about maybe the end of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some people on and we took we gave out some picks for this. Um, so the the shortlisted down to three for all yeah. the awards. A lot of them are relatively uh relatively short favourites. So you, we've got a handle on who's going to win any. But if there's any picks that stand out well enough, uh, you can you can give them to me. We'll start with the MVPs in the AL. Uh, we have Shohei Otani, uh, who I have a 35 to 1 ticket on. There you go. Uh, that was my second Bosch moment. So Robbie Ray and Shohei Otani have done really well. On um, So he's minus 4,000. So it looks okay. I'll be disappointed not to win. Um, with um, Vlad at plus 675. And Marcus Simeon's the other one there, plus 4,000. Uh, 4, um, and the NL MVP, the Favourite is Bryce Harbour, minus 325. Um, Soto at plus 185. And Fernando Tatis at uh, plus 2,500. Um, we gave out Tatis pre-season at 9-1. to one. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's not going to win, um, but not a bad little run for our money there at 9-1. to one. Um, yeah. These MVPs, Munaf, it's just going to be Harper and Shohei, isn't it? And we've already, we've already discussed Shohei. Yeah, I think, you know, at minus 4,000, I would be very surprised if Vlad won the award. But I think in any other year, Vladimir Guerrero probably would have won that award. But just like we talked about, the season that Watani had, you know, both pitching and batting-wise, you know, he's a pretty much locked for that award. The NL MVP, I think that was a more intriguing race. I think, it, yeah, it's going to be down between Harper and Soto, you know, with, uh, with uh, uh, Harper... I think pretty much having about a seventy-five percent chance against the uh, what the what the bookmakers are putting out there at minus three twenty-five. Um, but Soto had a great season too. It's just unfortunate that none of these MVPs have were in the uh, postseason. Um, but you know, again, it is a regular season award, and you know Harper did his best to will this Phillies team to that division title. I mean, he got hot at the right time, but it just wasn't enough. But yeah, both of those guys had an absolutely fantastic season. Um, you know, and world deserving of MVPs if it does come into fruition. Yeah, Harbour kept them in it right the way up till kind of mid September. Really, you had a little bit of a little bit of five to one, didn't you? Once the Mets had gone yeah. away and uh, mm-hmm. and the Braves were still really scuffling along, they weren't they weren't putting any separation between the two teams. Yeah, um, the Cy Young Awards, uh, AL Robbie Ray um, at minus fifteen hundred. Behind uh, with Garrett Cole behind him at plus five fifty, and the rag is Lance Lynn at plus uh, at thirty three to one. Yeah, and then this is the tight one. This is really the one market that's still um, everyone's at a working man's price. If you did want to have a bet, the NL Cy Young, um, Zach Wheeler plus one forty, Corbin Burns plus one seventy, and Max Scherzer at plus two hundred. Uh, do you have any strong feelings um, trying to split those three, Muna? I think I would probably cross out Scherzer. Um... I think it's really down to Corbin Burns, obviously, and Zach Wheeler. Um, if I had to put some money in, I would probably give it to Corbin Burns. Um, he got out to that really hard start with the strikeouts Malcolm at the beginning of the season, and you know he he was obviously the ace for the Milwaukee Brewers. Got him into the playoffs. I think that he should deserve this award. I think plus one seventy would probably be a dabble for me if I had to pick between those three guys. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I don't really have a, a strong lean either way. It's really I, a I don't think, Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'll be playing. Um, the R- Rookie of the Year awards um, in the AL, Randy Rosa Reina, minus 275, looks likely to take that ahead of Wanda Franco uh, with Luis Garcia making up the numbers at plus 1,600. Um, in that 
pod we did, and um, we strongly advised some Randy Rosa in. I think he was around about minus 140. His only competition was uh, Wanda Franco. Then just sample size, I think they were always going to give it to a Rosa Arena, but a little bit of, I think it was a name recognition thing maybe uh, for Wanda Franco and the, and, and the, the, the sharps and the nerds really wanting to, uh, wanting to plug Wanda Franco's chances. Uh, but Randy Rosarena was a great price. I think it was about minus 140 uh, if we get a chance to have a look back over that. Um, but that was a, that was a, a knocking bet. Really, really happy with, with the information we gave out there. Um, this National League rookie of the year is a bit of an odd one, Moonaf, because we have yeah. um, Jonathan India uh, at minus 2,500 uh, with Trevor Richards plus 750 and Dylan Carlson at plus 2,000. I think if you went and asked the average man in the street, Moonaf, to uh, to draw a picture of Jonathan India, they would struggle to. I mean, just... <laughs> I, I don't know if this just... It's not being really a weak event because all credited Jonathan India, but... He's just a, a kind of a middling player on a middling team and, yeah. and not an awful lot of competition there. The fact there's a, the, a, um, pictures made it in Trevor Richards of, of Miami is quite rare. And I think maybe that says something about the, the contest as a whole. Yeah, I think that um, you're right. As you ask somebody to draw a picture of him, I, I don't, I don't personally, I mean, like I know Jonathan, but if you ask the casual fan, yeah. uh, where would you even start to draw a picture of Jonathan India? But yeah, minus twenty five hundred favorite, and then I think every other two guys, Dylan Carlson, uh, twenty to one, and then uh, Trevor Richards plus seven fifty. So it's pretty much a lock for the Rays, uh, out second baseman or outfielder uh, for Jonathan India to win that award. So not much of a competition there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, then Moon, after the last little little segment, I want to talk briefly. Um, it's just some takeaways from the season. Obviously, this mm-hmm. has been our first season. Um, doing the podcast, making picks twice a week, going through tally side, picking every single game. We've done futures, we've done divisions, we've done player props. Uh, we've sent ourselves cross-eyed, handicapping yeah. everything you could possibly handicap in MLB, which is a lot. Um, it's been my first season, really, from a from a gambling point of view. I was pretty much a fantasy guy before this. Um, so it's been my first season, really having to look in-depth and trying to fetch out these gems. Um so, have we got any big takeaways that we're going to take into next year? It's been a, it's been a big learning curve for me. I'll, I think the big thing for myself, Moonaf, is just the different ways ways of betting because I was stuck on the money line um, for the majority of April and May um, before you guided me uh, in the Consig and Scotty Too Hot, you know the people that we had on uh, guided me to things like the first five unders, mm-hmm. which eliminated the 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 option for a bullpen blowing you up. Um, so that was a big takeaway for me. Um, the September dogs, the consig, yeah. pointed us towards. Um, and absolutely, we are going to have a family pot next year, Moonaf, uh, and just roll those September dogs out. We start saving up now. Um, and that, that can pay for your uh, trip to watch Newcastle beat Liverpool next season. Ah. Um, the rookie in the first start pitches, I think we did really well. We've all mentioned earlier on Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize and people like that. There was Aaron Ashby at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was various other names that jumped off the page that we followed. And then you picked out a lot of trends. This was another one that got me away from my money line picks with things like the Houston run line picks that um, yeah. we rode for well, probably about eight weeks uh, mm-hmm. in the early part of the season. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, this being our first season doing pods, I think, you know, like any other podcast also is that you always have the ability to learn from, you know, from your co-hosts and then also the guests that you have on, right? 
because in baseball, there's it's number one, a very, very long season from it goes from April all the way to uh, <clears throat> sorry, October. And there's just so many betting opportunities, right? You talked about, right? And I think something that I also undervalued was, you know, talking about taking first five innings, right? Number one, it shortens the game for you. um, And you don't have to worry about bullpens blowing it up for you, right? If you have a five to two lead going into the second half of the game and sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and you have a shitty bullpen, you're going to be on the edge of your seat, hoping that the bullpen doesn't mess it up for you. So I think, Number one, that I think that first five innings is something I will definitely uh, keep an eye on, both for totals and uh, money lines, like you talked about, Malcolm. September dogs, I honestly, you know, I'm glad that the consig pointed us in this direction because as a better, I was not aware of this. And I'm glad that we were able to track the numbers for it. Um, the last two weeks, of, or at least that last week of September, is where we maybe want to pull off because you have these heavy, heavy favorites that need to win games for that playoff push. So, um, you know, I think if we were to cut that time off at the, maybe before the last week, we were probably been up like plus, I think it was around $2,000 if we were betting $100 blindly. Um, and then again, I think you absolutely a fantastic job of finding those first start pitchers or rookie pitchers because at that point, if that pitcher is has a good scouting report, he's gonna he has that advantage over batters because the opposing team doesn't have that film on him to see what he's going to be able to throw and, and things like that. So those first couple starts that rookie really, or that first, uh, first start pitchers really have the advantage. And then, you know, finding those small trends of like you talked about use and run lines, it's not going to be there through the entire season. And it's, it goes back to that. The roulette strategy we talked about all season long is that ride the wave until you start seeing it turn and coming back down. And that's where you kind of want to pull off. But um, yeah, you don't want to be that guy that comes up to the roulette table and fades a, you know, bets on black when the entire board is red, right? You don't want to be that guy. You want to ride the I mean, Look at that Cardinals win streak, 17 games. Yeah. They would not have been thing. particularly short price favorites. Yeah. Because they didn't have name, big name starting pitchers going to the mound every night. Yeah. And the same um, thing with the Houston run line too, right? At, at a point yeah. it started declining, but when they were winning games, they were winning it by more than one run, and you were able to get a better price at maybe even closer to even money or plus odds. I think the consig mentioned Aaron Ashby when he came on. Uh, he was a Texas pitcher. Texas were going off two, plus 275 every night from yeah. August through. Uh, and I think Aaron Ashby went and won four games in a row. Um, so, yeah, you've got to know that kind of came from my fantasy stuff because uh, I'll listen to fantasy podcasts and look at yeah. you're, you're looking at streaming pitches or picking pitches up on the waiver wire especially in, in baseball where it's absolutely brutal um, yeah. and you, you, was... you pick up those those rookie pitches mm-hmm. yeah uh, you hear you hear fantasy guys talking about them knowing what they've done in AAA looking at the numbers uh, and yeah you can pick them up on a on a Tuesday afternoon uh, and then go and win a game for you at sort of plus 210 or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. Lots to, uh, lots to, lots to learn from Moonaf. And um, yeah, like we've, like we've said, we will keep, we'll keep better records. We'll keep more accurate records. Uh, It was all very slapdash and shoddy uh, and typically on brand for me, Moonaf, but uh, we'll try and, uh, we'll try and get some spreadsheets going next year. So we know where we stand. Um, Do you have anything else you want to, you want to add Moon off with relation to our baseball experience this year? No, I think that, you know, this was our first year uh, doing the podcast. Um, 
you know, we learned a lot. There's, you know, some things that, you know, I have discussed on offline that we want to change, but you know, the, the main format of it will stay the same. And I think that, you know, we had a great first season, uh, sadly, you know, we'll, we'll be in the off season now, but, you know, definitely we'll be dropping pods periodically. If there's some big news that comes across with free agency and starting to preview, you know, divisions down the line, but, um, it was absolutely a fantastic season with you, Malcolm. I know I learned a lot from you, like you learned from me, but, um, you know, all throughout the season, I think we did a great job of picking games. You know, we had a great, uh, MLB playoff run, um, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, just, just dissecting this every single week. It was really a grind because the season is just so long. Uh, there's just so much to keep track of because we talked about every single day, there's about 13 to 15 games. And when there's like a Monday or a Tuesday where there's only three or four games, like we're, 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 we're like, what's going yeah. on? Why is there only four games on the schedule? <laughs> uh, cause we're just used to that grind, but no, I mean, you know, I think this is a good time to thank all the support that we've gotten from the listeners. Um, you know, we had so many great reviews that came in for the world series contest that we did uh, a lot of kind words. So thank you guys for the support all season long. Uh, you know, we got a lot of great messages on Twitter and the guests that we had on our show, Malcolm from the consig to Scott, to Johnny uh, from Minty. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting some people in that fold, but you know, it was great to have pick their brains and really add to your arsenal about picking their brains to your betting handicapping for baseball. So all around, I, I'm really happy with what we've done this season. And, you know, we'll, we're going to get better as uh, as we get into next year. Yeah, absolutely. Moving off, I'll co-sign all of that. I mean, I think what's meant the most to me is that I can be very self-conscious about being sitting up here on the northeast coast of England trying to talk baseball to you people who've lived <laughs> and breathed baseball for a long time. And why the hell would you listen to me? It's like if, if an American tried to tell me uh, what the score is going to be between West Ham and Burnley on Saturday? I'd be well. I'm gonna, I know better. I've lived this for forty years. Yeah. Um, but I haven't felt any pushback at all from the all the Twitter interactions, um, the the treatment from you and Sean and Ryan and all the other boys. Uh, the Slack channel, the the, the baseball and the yeah. general Slack channels over there would be nothing but positive. Um, what you say about me behind closed doors, I've got no idea. But openly, <laughs> uh, it's been fantastically kind. So I'm. I'm very appreciative of that, uh, and particularly to you, Moonaf, because you've uh, you've spoon fed me most of the season. Um, what most of you, well, you probably do realise now, is that I am technologically absolutely backwards. So Moonaf does virtually everything except talking on my behalf. That's the only thing I do. I open my mouth and make stuff come out. Uh, apart from that. Uh, it's all moon off like so uh, I appreciate that moon off thank you very much I might try and get better at that that's what I could do in the off season um, I'm going to come back like Bill Gates next year we're going to we're going to start what we're going to do is uh, well, I know we need to get you a new laptop so um, yeah maybe we start a GoFundMe or you know if somebody wants to send <laughs> some money to Malcolm not that he needs it I mean this guy's again he's in another room today recording for another room I mean I'm in bed again look Okay, so he's in bed. Now, now, yeah, see, this is another room that I, I haven't seen him record from before. So every single week we've recorded throughout the season, he's been in a different room. So when we talk about that he lives in Newcastle, I really think that he lives in his big old castle in Newcastle because he's recording out of a different room every time we record. I know the people can't see it, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you as an eyewitness. I nearly said earlier, and this is true, but I realized it was going to sound like I do live in a castle, is that... I'm in a new bedroom because we've we've just moved our bedroom from one side of the house to the See? other. And the fact I was going to say that out loud makes me sound like <laughs> I live in a giant sort of palatial mansion, which is not true. What I mean is we've moved about three 
yards across the stairs uh, so the kids can have a bigger bedroom each. Um, but yeah, we're getting off topic. The people don't need to know about my sleeping arrangements. Um, thank you very much, Murdaf. <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone, all the listeners. It's been absolutely brilliant. We will be back infrequently uh, between yep. now and February uh, before we ramp it up. Um, all uh, Just advise everybody to get across to the Slack channels, um, get across to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, subscribe, like, leave reviews. And there's still loads of um, DraftKings leagues going on. So you can get in and play with all the all the hosts, the golf. I'll be playing loads of golf uh, through the winter. Uh, that tends to replace my uh, MLB DFS, um, as well as all the... Uh, content on the website. Moonaf's cranking out the ref reports and, and absolutely everything else. Um, the, when the, the ref reports get a shout out on the main picks podcast, Moonaf, um, that gets double underlined on my notes. Uh, and that's when I know I'm going to make a pick. So um, thank you everybody who's made this an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, good luck through the window with whatever you're going to pick. Uh, keep your eye peeled on all the channels. Uh, we'll start, we'll even be running the, the fantasy league and things like that next season. Uh, so if you want to get involved in that, I'm sure we can uh, expand the, the MLB Fantasy League for all the DGens. So uh, thank you very much, Munaf. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, everybody else. Uh, good luck, and we'll see you down the road. Cheers.